flying out of the skies and onto your lap. Here come the stewardesses of Fly Me. Hi, I'm Sherry. Buy a ticket and I come free. Four American stewardesses hijacked into wild adventure, battling the flying fists of kung fu killers. Action, oriental style. Love, the American way. Take a flight on the wild side with the stewardesses of Fly Me. Fly Me, rated R. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 238. And I'm your host, Lee. You'll be able to see the famous Pacific Ocean, Russell. I'm joined by my co-host, Lee. You walk slower. Something happens. Hardy, how you doing, ma'am? Something always happens when you walk slower. Mm-hmm. Just, yep. just finding food. <laughs> finding food. <laughs> finding food that you're racist against. Yes. Yeah, and we have a special guest this time out, a returning special guest, friend of the show, Gary. I'm not just a doctor, I'm a bone specialist, Hill. How you doing, sir? That's special, man. I'm, I'm doing fine, you know. <laughs> right Being on. a bone doctor and all. That, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that's like the, what's the, like the I'm, I'm not a, a master, I, I forget the words now, master debater is, is the punchline to it, you know, but um. <laughs> It fits this film very nice. Yeah, it does. It really I does. I almost masturbated myself. There you go. <laughs> that was on American Dad. Oh. <laughs> I just saw that episode. I laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, here we go to the other end of the spectrum from last episode where we covered Citizen Kane. Uh, this time out, we're going to be doing Fly Me from 1973, which is decidedly not Citizen Kane in <laughs> every way other than the fact that it's also a series of moving pictures with sound. That's about the only similarity. Uh, <laughs> I have it on uh, good authority that... We got this, man. We got this by the ass. All right. Perfect, baby. Perfect. I think we got it. I think we got it. So uh, we can move right into what we've watched in the last little while, and I'll throw over to you first there, Gary. If you guys have heard, we did The Driver on episode two of, of the Walter Hill show, mm-hmm. which took the last call of torches. So I decided to look into more Ronnie Blakely uh, material. It's it's out there. And um, in the Robert Altman, Robert Altman film, Nashville, she sings. And she mm-hmm. sings very well. i never seen it before. I, I got it for Fiverr on the digital platform, and it's a beautiful film, and it's it's very sad film. You watch watch to the end; it's very sad. You got Henry Gibson in there, and a bunch of other people. And the cool thing about the film, and which I didn't know until I watched the credits, is that they all wrote and performed their own music in there, mm-hmm. and that makes it more special to me. And it's uh, 
Uh, got, it's got uh, Shelly Duvall looking super fucking hot. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Karen Black looking good as a, mm-hmm. a cowboy chick. I kind of bring Karen Black. She, she's she's great in there too. Um, mm. All men. I've always been a Popeye guy, but that's because I, I came out when I was uh, I watched it when I was a shorty. So I used I to see it on A and E all the time. <laughs> it'll, it, it will always be my favorite for some reason, no matter how many films he's made, how many great films he's made. I know Popeye's not a great, great film, but I still happen to enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> I still get really excited at the end when, when Popeye winds his fist up and knocks out the octopus out of the water. I get really excited, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like the end of Nacho Libre. I know Nacho's going to beat him. I know he's going to win, but I still get really excited when it happens, you know. I like me some Nacho Libre. That's a good film. Because of all the I little messages. that one. All the little Mexican orphans they're relying on them. Yeah, I get really excited, you know. All right, sounds like sounds like a, a soon upcoming date night. We we're gonna have to watch Nacho Libre now. There we go. We'll do it. Mm-hmm. Besides that, a bunch of Joe Bob stuff to catch up on. I'm an old man who can't stay awake when Joe Bob is on TV live. I guess. So I watched the reruns on Shutter, which mm-hmm. is okay. <laughs> so I saw Dead and Buried for the first time. Of that, oh, really? Bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I love fun. that movie. I mean, you know, after, after you see it once, it's like, okay, I know I know what the ending twist is, but it's still pretty fucking creepy all the way through, and you got Robert England in an early role, and you got uh, the, oh, grandpa from, the grandpa from Willy Wonka, his last role, I think. He's, uh, very, he's very sick throughout it, too. You can mm-hmm. tell how frail he is, and, you know, it kind of fits the role. Um, yeah. That's a fun one. What? The it. grandfather's dead? Grandfather, well, technically, no spoiler. <laughs> technically, he is. So, yeah. watch watch the film, okay? It's good. It is. It's it's a nice, creepy little, uh, creepy little fucking film. Uh, technically, a zombie film. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I know you don't have anything, uh, Lee. So, uh, I'll just uh, briefly mention a couple things here. Uh, I, like Gary, I, I do a lot of Shutter. Uh, watching as of late. I watched uh, Here Comes Hell from 2019, which was it just looked interesting to me, so I, I decided to watch it one uh, afternoon. Um, it's a movie where it's it's black and white. It's set in the 1930s, and it's kind of somewhat shot and acted in that style. And it's, it's sort of a fake-out, though. At, at first, I didn't realize this was kind of a horror comedy, uh, so, like, for the first 20 minutes or so, they kind of play it straight. The acting's kind of theatrical. And I'm like, okay, I can roll with it. It's a little goofy, but I think they're going to go serious with this shit, right? And then it flips the script. And then out of nowhere, it's basically uh, Evil Dead set in the 1930s because, <laughs> uh, like, all these people show up at this old English manor. It's very spooky. They have a seance. Then all of a sudden, there's demons possessing everybody basically and then the gore is also right out of the 1980s it it, go, it goes into those like those gore effects some of it's cgi stuff that doesn't quite work but for the most part it just becomes this crazy like kind of gore filled film that kind of loses its, its direction it's more about the characters just trying to survive at at some point and so it does kind of lose its steam after a while, but I thought it was an interesting little experiment that's kind of worth checking out if you have, like, nothing better to do. The other one I'll mention is uh, Vigilante from 1982, which is an excellent, excellent film. The the William Lustig uh, film of uh, Maniac Cop fame. Uh, but I think this might be his best film. 
It's got Robert Forrester. It's got Fred Williamson, and it is what it says on the on the tin. Basically, it's it's a vigilante film, very much in the Death Wish sort of mold, but way more extreme. And also, I think in a way, it's it's a bit more cathartic, but it's also a bit more sad by the end of it. In Death Wish, the big sort of twist on that is basically, you know, Charles Bronson actually never gets the people who get his uh, wife and daughter, right? Like, he, he kills a bunch of other people, but he never gets the people who actually, you know, uh, do the crimes. And this one, the people who actually commit the crimes against Robert Forrester eventually get killed. Uh, but at the end of it, his life is just totally ruined. And, like, he's his wife leaves him. And, like, there's so there's, like, consequences. But I think maybe the only thing I didn't like about the film is it doesn't really wrap up a bunch of its subplots and stuff. And it takes a little too long to get to the end. Like there, there's all these side characters and things that happen that it maybe focuses on a little too much. Um, but it's still like one of the best exploitation films ever made. I think it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. You, you were referred to him as the hammer and nothing else, man. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't help, but uh, be a little soured by like reports of, of what a creepy is in real life, apparently. But uh, well, 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 when you, when you read the Hammer's contract, I'm not surprised that he's kind of creepy with the women and stuff, you know? Oh, mm. It's always unfortunate when that happens, though. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not endorsing creepiness, but it is in his contract for every movie that he's ever had that he doesn't die, that he gets the girl. So, mm. it's a... Um, it almost almost makes me feel like... Um, uh, what, what's what's that uh, that that latest film he was in? Uh, where where the accusations came out of uh, VWF or whatever? Oh yeah, um, or VFW. He dies in that one. He doesn't get the girl. So and I, it almost feels like maybe they did a last minute script rewrite because Could be. because of shit going on in that movie. Yeah. Was he was he harassing the females on the set or something? Appar- apparently so. Like that's okay. that's when uh, that's that's like the first time I heard accusations against him. Right, kind of came out of that film. So unfortunately, but uh, I mean, b- beside that, you know, separate artist from from uh, the art. This is probably Fred Williamson's best fucking role, I'd say. He's pretty fucking good in this movie. In this movie, he's like he's fucking stone cold. Just a and the way Lustig shoots him too, and where where he takes out like the uh, the bad guy he's been kind of hunting throughout the film or whatever, and the way he just sort of coldly dispatches him and shit, pretty effectively done. I, I thought. I'm big on uh, Black Caesar as well. I'm big fan mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. All right. So we are going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Fly Me. You come to the right place. My name is Gary and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work him out like a puppet. All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slaps. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. 
1-800-273-9839. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sin Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. think it's uh, ever been more fitting that I played that little piece of music <laughs> uh, other than when we did the cheerleaders uh, uh, many episodes back but uh, where that's from but uh, yeah um, all right <laughs> fly me from 1973 uh, this is directed by Sirio H Santiago and this guy is actually a pretty big heavy hitter when it comes to B-movies. He's like the Filipino uh, or Roger Corman, I mean, basically. Director, producer, writer, 95 directing credits alone on, on his resume. Uh, known for stuff over here. TNT Jackson and Firecracker. Long-running production partnership with Roger Corman, which uh, you know, to hit to uh, his benefit uh, gave him, you know, proper just distribution in the U.S. for a lot of his movies. So they had a pretty good partnership for quite a while. There's some secondary directing going on here as well. Jonathan Demme of uh, Silence of the Lambs and Cage Heat fame uh, did the Kung Fu scenes in here under. I think he's actually using the fake name David Chow, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it says Demi in the credits. I've seen it on the, the mm-hmm. version I watched. Maybe there was a couple people doing them then, but but I know I know he did do some of the kung fu scenes here, and we also got Curtis ha- Hansen who did like the hand rocks the cradle, the river wild, LA confidential. Um, he does the opening taxi scene with <laughs> with Dick Miller. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, this is written by Miller Drake. He's got one directing credit uh, for Piranha Two: The Spawning with James Cameron. He he wasn't credited. Uh, with that one, but he went on to work with Cameron here, and we'll get into that. But uh, he also has one assistant directing credit for Alligator, uh, which is pretty cool. And, but he's more of a visual effects guy, I guess. Like a lot of these people under the uh, Roger Corman banner, you did a little bit of everything right, and you sort of found your niche, and you'd sort of leave and go on and do that sort of stuff for the rest of your career or whatever. You know, a lot of these people sort of did that. So he, he does more visual effects now, uh, editing and supervising. He worked on The Abyss, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Cliffhanger, JFK, uh, The Bourne Ultimatum, Green Lantern, and The Fast and the Furious. So he's he's done a little bit of everything, but I think like Last Action Hero and other stuff too. Like he, he's got a lot of visual effects credits. So get into the cast here a little bit. Our three uh, female leads here. Pat Anderson is Toby. She was She's probably had the best theatrical career here out of ever, all of them. Uh, she went on to do TNT Jackson, Newman's Law, Angel of Heat. Lenore Kasdorf is Andrea. She 
has a few credits. Uh, probably the most notable one, uh, as far as movies goes, is uh, she's in Starship Troopers. Uh, she plays she plays Johnny Rico's mom in Starship Troopers. Ah. Uh, but uh, her her career actually is probably the longest uh, lived of all three of these women because um, she has a long TV career. If you look at it, she does she just did a ton of TV right up to the 2000s, uh, a bunch of soap operas and other stuff. So, uh, you don't worked say. A- <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is that, is that a, uh, a remark on her acting ability right there? Is that what is, is that what her- <laughs> Just wait for my comments. Okay. <laughs> you, see, you see, a lot of those films mentioned are supposedly good films. And I'll tell you what, not making do a firecracker did where the girl does Kung Fu, but she has a topless. So there's mm. that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Firecracker is definitely one we should do on the show at some point. Um, uh, and we also have uh, Lila Tornia. And I think that's just one of her many stage names as Sherry. Because from what I read somewhere, apparently she's also got a porn career on the side that's not credited in IMDb. So she. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. But uh, she, she, uh, she only has moved. like. <laughs> yeah, she's only got like a handful of credits uh, as far as legit films go, quote unquote. So uh, there you go. Ghost uh, Rich- Beaver Cake is on IMDb. How is a porn movie not on IMDb? <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 there, there is plenty of porn on, on IMDb. It's just like it's hard. It's hard to find. It's hard to find like seventies and eighties porn for a lot of these actresses and stuff because they were like in the industry and then they were out of it really quick. Or they, you know, they just sort of disappeared. And, you know, a lot of IMDb depends on, like, either the people who actually did it or people who are, like, historians to actually fill in the fucking blanks. And if mm-hmm. they don't do it, then it's just not on IMDb, right? Um, the, the more embarrassing ones will be right there, there in front of your face. Scott Schwartz in, you know, if they pick that out, you know. <laughs> so the, the kid from the Christmas story did pornography, people. He didn't know that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Richard Young is doctor, uh, Naomi Stevens is Toby's mother, and then we have the great Dick Miller, international treasure, not just national treasure, uh, as the taxi driver, 111 acting credits, really got to start with Corman doing stuff like Not of This Earth, uh, had his own starring vehicle, A Bucket of Blood, as Walter Paisley, which is a role that he repeated many times over through his career, at least playing characters called Walter Paisley. There's got to be a count somewhere how many times you play Walter Paisley. I, I don't know where that's at, but there's got to be a count. Yeah, someone must know. But uh, also was also in the original Little Shop of Horrors, Piranha, Rock and Roll High School, often cast by uh, Corman alumni uh, Joe Dante in his films. So you see him in like The Howling and Gremlins, uh, The Burbs. He shows up in Terminator. You know, he, he does all these nice, cool little roles as like this, you know, edgy angsty little kind of like guy who doesn't take shit from people but then ends up getting killed because he doesn't take shit from people kind of kind of shit uh he's just he's fucking fantastic the line in terminus is the best i made clothes earlier today yeah no shit man here it comes you yeah know? yeah you're clo- <laughs> you're you're closing for the rest of your life and uh, that's like 30 seconds from now i just remember uh, having demon night yes i love mm-hmm. demon night yeah me yep. too that's when I was first discovered him. Like that's when it's, I... it's so overshadowed by Billy Zane, though. So that makes it hard to say. Oh, oh yeah, Dick Miller's in that movie. You know, Billy Zane did such a good job in that movie. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was that was just his movie. 
Uh, we have Ken Metcalf as Donald, and then we have another great in Vic Diaz as Enrique's chief of police. 155 acting credits, known for playing uh, Filipino exploitation cinema villains for the most part. Quentin Tarantino referred to him as the Filipino Peter Lorre. And I think that's probably pretty spot on in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he just did so many films, uh, a lot of them with uh, our director here, Santiago. He did The Losers, The Big Birdcage, Black Mama, White Mama, Savage Sisters, Firecracker, Raw Force. Those are sort of like the the ones that, you know, most sort of North American audience will probably know him for. Excellent, excellent guy. Like, if you ever needed a film where you had, like, strong, empowered females trying to break out of, like, a Filipino prison or something like that, and you needed, like, the dirtiest, sleaziest, most rapey fucking prison warden or guard or whatever. Vic Diaz, you call him up. He he had a look for sure, man. And that was <laughs> it. Yeah. Although he doesn't he doesn't really play one of those in this movie. He, like he's in it for like a cup of coffee. But uh, he, he's actually very well dressed in this movie. He's actually well kept, which is weird to see. So we have a synopsis here. I pulled from Wikipedia because the the IMDb one was literally the tagline uh, "sexy stewardess fight kung fu killers" or whatever the fuck it was. Um, yeah. Uh, so three young flight attendants fly from Los Angeles, California, to Hong Kong. Uh, Toby's mother has followed her on the plane, and Toby tries to lose her so she can romance a doctor, David. Andrea's lover Donald has gone missing. Sherry is smuggling drugs and is kidnapped by a white slave ring. And yeah, that is what happens. There's, there's actually three different plots in this film, if you can believe it or not. But yeah, we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll kind of get into it here. Uh, I'll go over to you uh, first, Gary, for your general thoughts on this one. Well, you mentioned Dick Miller. It starts right out that way where you see Dick Miller in a cab and he's got sideburns and all of a sudden, hey, boobs! You know? Mm-hmm. And so you knew right away what kind of movie you were going to get. This is just like, you know, Gas Pump Girls or something like that, though. I think I like Gas Pump Girls a little more. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's here nor there. They, 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 all, they all have the same formula. Somebody's going to lose their top at one or 14 times during the picture. And um, <laughs> that's how you sell to the driving audience. Mm-hmm. Like you said, this film's got like three plots going at once, you know, and I had fun with it. You know, these 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 women who I guess are on a layover in the Philippines. This is what's going on here. A super long layover. Yeah, there's a lot of laying going on. In, in that and like over. planes that mm-hmm. go and come back and go. And I don't even know. <laughs> so they're, they're there for a long time enough to you know become drug smugglers and possibly in a sex ring and hanging out with mom talking about cold cuts because she's Italian, of course. And, you know. <laughs> I like good You called me too. the worst Italian. Hmm? Said so well, yeah. me the worst Italian. Well, I mean, I mean, at least, least, least this Italian mother, you know, was sticking to her principles and was like, you know, being a perfect Italian stereotype. I mean, come on now. A little capicola, a little, little uh, you know, little prosciutto on that sandwich. Come on, yeah. man, it's good stuff, you know. Give me a little, give me a little mozzarella or something, you know. Like, give, give me some meats. Give me, give me something, you know. Like the my, my, my used to call it the wet one. That's that's the fresh mozzarella, you know. <laughs> give, me, give me the mozzarella, the wet one, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, you just you just tell it then. No, it's 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 a fun little. 75 minutes and that's all it should be because if it was any more i i'd be lost and you know 
whatever plot's going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not it sounds like I'm bitching, but I'm not. I'm not bitching at all because I, I knew what, again as soon as you get that opening scene, you know what kind of movie you're gonna have, and I'm all in at that point. So I, I'll leave it for the other discussions. Uh, go for it, you know. Yeah, uh, Lee. Oh my god. <laughs> um. It took me, so I watched the whole movie yesterday, mm-hmm. and the whole plot was so unclear that I had to watch it a second time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> plot. Plot in quotations. I Honestly, I was watching it, and I got so distracted. Like, I couldn't stay focused on it. It just... <laughs> I struggled. I was messaging you today, being like, "I have to watch the, the end half again because I don't remember." Like, I remember seeing it and I was watching it and I saw all this, but my brain literally registered none of it. Like, it was just mm-hmm. just done. It was like, "What? What is going on?" I can't focus on anything. Like, the only thing that I got excited for was to see boobs, and half <laughs> the time at the end it was ruined because it was for rapey reasons. So I, yeah, I lost yeah. the enjoyment of seeing those boobs. Like, it wasn't that fun booby movie where you get excited to see boobs it was like this ooh boobs at the beginning that are really fun ooh this girl who's like super horny ooh this is gonna be fun and you just go on and watch and you're like what am I watching what is going on where is this where is the story going <laughs> like the, the second half just felt so rushed where they're like oh shit we should put in the storyline of, of why we made this movie <laughs> like, it was <laughs> it was a rough watch. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There, there, there's like three different movies jammed into 75 minutes, which you know is. Hold on, there was three different short stories jammed into one. I mean, like, I mean, I've I've seen every one of these stories stretched into actual movies before. So I mean, like but the way you, they did it, that's what it's yeah, kind of. Yeah, because you have you have your your main character, quote unquote, Toby, who's really just the, the comic relief of the entire film. Like her her story is the most, you know, flighty fluff piece of the whole thing. She's just the the young kind of like slightly innocent new flight attendant who is really attracted to this dumbass doctor and wants to fuck him really hard and he's trying to fuck her and her mother is you know protecting her you know she's like a living breathing chastity belt following her around on airplanes and stuff making sure she doesn't get fucked basically see that's where they get the giddy so much to say about that they get the giddy part wrong see because that guy's got a good job she she keep that guy and the mom Mm -hmm. would have no problem with that (laughs) he's not italian though Oh well, yeah, uh, yeah. Because that's you, the big thing. You, you can't see it, but Lee's talking with her hands right now. You know, that's, <laughs> that's something people do sometimes. <laughs> but I'm only half. <laughs> so, yeah, so you get that's enough. You know, it depends where yeah. your family's at. <laughs> you, so you get that story right, and then you have the secondary story, which is really kind of the main story, which is the other girl who has this man friend that she's been having some sort of on off thing with in Hong Kong who's disappeared and he's up to some shady shit. He ends up being the big bad of the film basically, but she's trying to find him and she sort of hooks up with this uh, local Chinese guy uh, who's helping her out to try to find out where this guy disappeared to. And then there's all this shady sex ring stuff. And then there's the third 
character who's the the most horny out of all all three of them who you know and she's in like in the opening where you know it's all fun and games on the plane she's banging the pilot in you know in the bathroom and shit mile high club and all that stuff and she gets uh on the wrong side of the sex ring that the other guy's running because her boyfriend or whatever is is part of that sex ring uh, she was smuggling drugs and she decided oh i'm gonna keep like half of them for myself i guess and then so she so she gets you know she she kind of fu- she fucks up she kind of gets can we, what's coming to her but you know can we take a minute to recognize the fact that you don't see that in the movie they just tell you yeah they tell you a lot of stuff that's that it, this movie off literally that's what i was saying is three short stories because they tell you everything that's happening mm-hmm. like hold on a second the lead or not the lead girl the the lead story the main story the girl uh, Andrea gets attacked how many times and it's not even a conversation piece like it's not even anything she just comes back she's like oh I had such a weird day today like she, she seems kind of used to what? getting attacked I think like she then, it seems like it happens a lot to her the blind guy in the the woods who some or woods who in the the park had oh. like immaculate accuracy and then he just disappears again like there's no storyline with him he just appears and disappears I don't even know if he's good he got the shot right he was supposed to be there. Is he supposed to be the hero? Is he supposed to be a bad guy who fucked up? I I thought he was supposed to be a bad guy, and that that's one of the that's one of the like. So there's these kung fu scenes, right? So the Andrea character. Hold on, there's these awful kung fu scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to defend them. Okay, let's, let's let's not get that twisted. Um, so she's being. She's being hunted down, you know, like the, these guys are like she I guess she knows too much or some shit. So they're trying to hunt her down and get rid of her. So she keeps ended up getting in these kung fu fights with people. And so, yeah, there's they're, they're really poor. They're, they're very goofy. Her body uh, double is not at all matching <laughs> at all. It does not match at all. I'm not uh, like surprised. the hair changes. They don't even have the same, not even close to the same hair. The hair well, changes length and the body size changes too. Like, well, <laughs> so when, bad. Well, like when you, when you see her do her own stunts in a couple of the scenes, like a couple of the scenes, she does her own martial arts. You find out real quick why she had a double doing most of the shit because she's bad. She's really oh, bad. She is bad, but they could at least gotten the hair right. It's, like it's kept bad. the illusion right. Like, it's bad. It's it's bad. Big Hollywood movies too, though. Lee, have you seen a film called Wildcats before with Goldie Hammer? She's a football coach. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I haven't. There's a part where Woody Harrelson is going to go catch the pass, and he jumps in the air, and it's clearly a black guy catching the ball. And then he comes down as Woody Harrelson <laughs> yeah. with the ball. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna bring this up again because like our movie was like stupid cheap budget, and we had stunt doubles for Ghost Beaver Kick because he couldn't be there all the time. You can barely fucking tell, and we had no goddamn budget and a limited amount of people we could use. I'm going to hold so many people at like a very high criteria for this shit because we had nothing <laughs> and we were able to make it work. So all of you with the fucking money, <laughs> you should be able to get this right. Come uh, on. I mean, I mean, though, to the first, to the credit of the of the martial arts scenes in this, the first one does feature both our our. Uh, Andrea getting disrobed by the guy trying to kill her, and then her giving him a knockout punch to the dick, mm-hmm. which is the first time I've ever seen that on film. Someone getting punched in the dick and then going unconscious. That's uh, I would have you know. enjoyed it more if it was 
better done. I'm sorry, I'm really bitter. I'm really bitter with the fight scenes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I always love, I love, I love fight scenes. I love cheesy fight scenes. I love the over-exaggeration, the stupidness, all of it. This was not even cheesy or over-exaggeration. It was just bad. Like, she, was, <laughs> she was trying to put the damsel in distress, like, like playing with him, you know, mm. and doing it poorly. All of a sudden, she rips the shirt, she turns into a ghetto house mother. Oh, no, you didn't. And she punches <laughs> them in the dick, you know, and that's a, uh, yeah, that's the equivalency of pulling somebody's weave out of their hair in a fight, I guess. Is her, yeah. her, her, her shirt her shirt ripped, you know. She beats up she beats up that Bruce Lee stand in who uh, you know, to to his credit, he puts on some uh, fighting gloves before he engages her. You know, he, he's like, was he one of the fake Bruce Lees? I I, th- I thought I recognized him from one of those movies at least. I don't think he is. I don't think that's a it, you know, it's not Bruce Lee or anybody like that. But um, I mean, I'm I'm sure he's been in a million things. But you know, I, I didn't I didn't check up on that. But then um, you didn't you have the uh, the scene that uh, Lee was talking about with the blind assassin. And I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be a bad guy. He's supposed he's supposed to be there to you know back up the two karate people trying to try no to get her. Storyline. That's the thing. He's just out of nowhere. He's like this this weird joke someone thought of because he's <laughs> literally a blind assassin. Like at first I thought oh, he's just playing blind to get close and and get at her, but no, he's legit fucking blind. And it's like, how do you think this is going to work out? Didn't like, he go see the body to make sure that he got the right body? Oh. He's just a hundred percent confident that he got the right body. You're just kind of poking at it with the with <laughs> the pain, yeah. You know, there, like you can literally feel it and be like, "This is a male. This is a female." Like there's a there's a very I know a very obvious difference between both the fighters in this one. Like a very mm-hmm. obvious difference. It's not as if it's one of those things where, oh, you know, you never know. Like it could be one or the other. No, it's straight up like a huge fucking obvious difference. <laughs> this, this, this is the Corman School of Directing though, because there is one name attached to the directing credit on the film. But often, I mean, Jack Nicholson directed part of the terror mm-hmm. because hey, we need another guy to direct some scenes. So this film could have been directed by four, five, maybe six different people. And maybe that's why it seems so disjointed because it's that kind of Corman film. Well, yeah, I mean, so disjointed. Like, like you, like you're talking like, uh, so you know, Demi did at least, you know, some of the kung fu stuff in here, and and, and it feels very flat when when it when it falls to those scenes. Like it, it it's not as like wild and shit as you'd kind of hope it would be. And then like you look at the um, you look at the opening scene, right? that uh curtis hansen did with dick miller and like that was via corman's instructions like film this because we're trying to sell this in the u.s and i want it to at least start out in the u.s before we get to the phil the philippines right so we need we need we need to let the audience know oh no this is an american, oh, it's movie, american. <laughs> american. by the way and, and by the way <laughs> that gives us an extra opportunity to put some tits in the film as well you know so Oh, that intro though. That intro, like Gary was saying, that intro was good. Like that intro had me interested. I was, I was excited. <laughs> it was mm. just this. I knew obviously you don't know. You know it's not going to be like blow your mind amazing movie, but you think it's going to be this fun, uh, kind of goofy movie that you're just going to be totally immersed into. But unfortunately, yeah. it just wasn't. Like it just it went over the, all over the place. The storylines, honestly, the storylines didn't match. I fucking hated the mother. 
one because the accent was really fake. It was really obviously fake. Like she just kept having it, and then it switched to kind of a different accent, mm-hmm. and then it like would be gone entirely, and then it would switch back to trying to be Italian, like uh, over exaggerated Italian. I will give him credit though. Uh, there was a lot of stereotypes that were played well. So the idea of keeping your daughter a virgin for like as long as fucking possible, that is true. Um, the idea of like completely invading your daughter's space, entirely true. Which she, um, she walks in on them in the shot in like the fucking bathtub when they're both naked about about the fuck. I actually like, I have a, a funny story. So my sister posted something on Facebook about uh, Italian mothers going through your mail, like opening your mail and going through your mail. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister posted it and someone commented on it. And my mom and uh, she, my sister comments saying, oh, yeah, my mom still does this. I almost commented, it wouldn't happen if you didn't live at home with mom. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> but it is very true. Uh, I love my mom to death, but my mom would totally do that. If I got any mail or anything, a package, whatever the case may be, does not matter. She would open it right up and be like, oh, what's in here? Oh, what did you get? Oh, who's the new mail? Um, same with like the food. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of Italians, like traditional, not so much now, like just older, old, older generations of Italians, uh, they would always comment about like, oh, no, it has to be Italian food. I can only eat Italian food. Like I remember kind of my grandmother only ate and cooked Italian, never went outside of that. Like it was very like, I have to only have Italian. Like if can't have Italian, it's going to die. Like something crazy like that. So that's that's kind of true as well. That was played off. And I thought that was kind of cute because, again, it reminded me of my family. Mm-hmm. But... I hated, hated that they couldn't just get someone who could either do a better Italian accent or someone who actually had a fucking Italian accent or just screw the Italian accent altogether and just kind of play that stereotypical Italian mother. Like, I would have been fine with that. Any of that. Like, this, mo- this movie was made for five bucks. They casted who they could cast. Basically, is what was going on. <laughs> I would have been in with, like... A cheesy Italian accent, like the cheesy, like you, you kind of, you know, they're joking, mm-hmm. but it was it was just bad. It just simply bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, the the big the biggest problem here is like you got you got seventy five minutes, you got three stories going on, and like there's a big tonal shift between them because, so like when it gets to the sex ring stuff. Like that feels like it's skirting like the the nineteen seventies like Emmanuel films that sort of got like into hardcore exploitation, you know. Although you know this doesn't nearly go as far as any of those films go, you know. Like there, there's nobody there's nobody jerking off a horse or you know explicitly getting raped on screen. Like you know the the rape starts and then it, like you know it camera goes away or whatever kind of thing in this in this film right because you're you're trying to sell to american audiences on the drive-in and shit so you got to keep it to to some sort of level but um yeah like you know they they try to throw a bit too much into this film honestly is the biggest problem like i would i would have been just happy if this was just all just the the first story just the the uh sexy swinging stewardesses fucking yeah. and having fun and stuff right <laughs> like they're they're they re, it was reminding me at first like there's this softcore film from the i want to say the 90s bikini airwaves which is very much like like the first like 10 15 minutes of this film uh, very just silly stupid banging in airplanes kind of stuff 
and then it, and then it's like no we got to have like an edge we got to have some exploitation sure. you know edginess and stuff so we got to have some crime but i mean i will say they do have a very brief but very good like shootout scene where uh they get stopped on the road there by those two cars and they got to shoot their way out of it i thought that was really well fucking done but yeah, other than that, it's like very, very, very thin. Not a lot of meat on the bone with this one. Uh, and the editing was awful. Like it, it yeah. is. But to to defend that a little bit, just a teeny bit, the version we watched, that's the cleaned up version from the vault materials that they had that still existed. So they actually like you know Shout Factory that did the print for that they cut out frames that were just way too damaged. So like you'll, you'll notice in the opening with Dick Miller in the cab and shit, uh, when she's taking her top off, there's a couple like little jumps between her. It's like, they're literally taking out frames. that are just too dirty. They couldn't clean them up. And you'll notice on, on the print we watched, like all through it, there's lines going and everything. Like, but it, even it was, the audio, there was one part where the voices entirely changed audio. Like you could tell it was really dubbed because they had, I forget mm-hmm. where they were running. It was through the airport lot, I think it was. And they, I can't remember what it was. It was the mother and Toby. And it was just obviously done. It wasn't even like an attempt to try and make it sound normal. It was just really mm-hmm. obvious that it was two completely different voiceovers. Like, same people, just a different day or a different area, different studio. I don't know. They, they, just- probably, they probably didn't have, like, the, the time to actually have someone on there on set to, like, capture the actual sound or whatever. So they probably just post, you know, ADR in, in at the end or whatever. They forgot kind of it. I, th- I think, honestly, they just forgot about it. They're like, okay, <laughs> by the way, we need audio here. Okay. How you fix the plot to fly me? Here we go in a nutshell. You got these three precocious flight attendants. This is they call still call them stewardesses back in the this day. Mm-hmm. You know they they're gonna have a four four day layover in the Philippines. So they're gonna go find some D, and they're gonna get all they can to get some D. But they run afoul these sex and drug traffickers, and one of them gets taken, and they gotta go on their Liam Neeson style to get her out. And that's that's your movie. That's way better. You just that's, you just solved your, it. That's your exploitation yeah. right there. You know. Yeah. I think honestly, if you really think about it, um, they could have either done something with Toby and made it like a an actual like romantic cheesy comedy, mm-hmm. or they could have taken the other two, Andrea and um, oh Sherry, Sherry, uh, Sherry, Sherry, yeah, Sherry, Sherry, the other flight attendant, uh, and had their own story because they actually mended, they actually blended in the in the end, so they actually had two plots that eventually crossed, and you could have either just done those two or literally just done one with like these two being there but not really having the story, like just being kind of a part of it. Like there's two separate stories in this movie. It was just, they tried, I think they just tried too hard. They're like, we have three gorgeous ladies. We want to show their tits. How can we show their tits as many times as we can? Um, Yeah. Period. (laughs) I do do think like, I, I do like the idea though. Like it was kind of a novel gimmick for like the prostitution ring where their, their prostitution ring was like, done through chartered flights so it's like you're, you're supposed to board a flight or whatever but it's like under the you pretense. went to like bought a ticket for a flight yeah you bought a, you bought a ticket for a flight but then you went to the you know the whorehouse or whatever and I, and I think like you know the action stuff at the end is actually fairly well done like compared to all the stuff that preceded it in the film i, I thought it was all right um 
but I thought but, the that last fight scene, there was a lot of stuff that was uh, as if they were trying to show off what they had. So instead of making a fight scene that looked cohesive, they said, we have people who can do the stuff. So let's throw the stuff in there and then work around it. Mm-hmm. So the fight scenes, there was a lot of really over-exaggerated kicks. It just kicks. <laughs> it was all kicks at the end. But it a lot was really of... Just- a lot of Captain Kirk style kicks from from oh. the original Star Trek. Like it, it's very much that <laughs> school of fighting. It just Toby's over the Toby's top. Toby's guy does a kick at the end of that movie when they're escaping the, the drug ring or mm. Filipino dance club or whatever the hell they're at. Uh, <laughs> it is one of the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. And I watched Snoop Dogg do a, do, do a frog splash once, and you know that was really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> there was. Uh, one thing that I was really confused about, because Toby and Andrea get back onto the flight, and Sherry's not there, and the pilot is like, oh, she's not here, so they go back? Or did they go to a different part? Or Because we end up in the same place that we left... Like, I'm really confused as to why we kept ending up on the airplane because they wore their flight attendants outfits and we ended up on the airplane and it was within the same vicinity of time and we were still in the same area with the same people and everyone was still able to find each other. Like, I don't know. I was really confused by that. They could have literally cut those scenes out entirely because that would have made more sense. Like, I don't even know the purpose of the reason why they did that. They had to They had to get over 60 minutes. That's yeah. <laughs> what, what's going on there. Uh, that, that, that's like, you know, we, because this was, this was shot as like a, I think like a fourth run feature or whatever. Like this was like the, you go to the drive-in, you see all the really good Roger Corman pictures first. And then you get this one at the end, you know, for the, for the people who are still, Fucking in their cars and hanging around, say making out and touching boobies. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know, th- this this was meant to be like you know tail end of of a, like a two or three movie ticket on a, in a drive in or something like that. Like that's what it was done. And apparently, you know, I, I don't have I don't have any box office figures or budget figures for this. But from everything I sort of read, and even you know Roger Corman himself, and even though you know Roger Corman is. He's very selective in how he talks about his own history and stuff like that. He usually doesn't lie about finances. Like he'll tell you if a fucking movie failed or not because he's he's that's you know that's his bread and butter and that's like the most important thing to him more than anything else. And he's like, no, no, this this made money. The only so, one that didn't make any money is one of his best movies ever, which is The Intruder. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good film, Lee. You want to watch a good Roger Corman film for sure? Yeah, we 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 did it yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, based nice. off the book or is the book based off the movie? Mm, I think it was a book first. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I, I own that book. I'm mm-hmm. just kind of wondering. It's one of William Shatner's best roles too. It's very, very good. Um, yeah. Do we have anything else we want to say about this, or we can get into the very think, brief trivia I have? I think the movie um, focused, yeah, like I was saying before, it focused too much on boobs. Because mm-hmm. there could have been a really good storyline, there could have been a really good plot, but honestly, I felt. Uh, like they said, there was too many directors. There was too many parts that were just filmed separately without mm-hmm. coordination. And at the end, they're just like, okay, cool. Let's just throw it all together and hope we can think of something. Cause I just felt the ending was really quick. Like all of a sudden we fired out the, the prostitution ring, which could have actually become a story on its own, like an actual good plot. Um, 
again, with the whole like romantic comedy bit, I think you could have had a totally different story with that. You could have actually really combined the two steward or sorry, flight attendants together and kind of foreshadowed a little bit more of what was going on versus it was just a guessing game as to what the fuck mm. was happening. Like it just it felt insanely disjointed and I think it was just too many cooks and uh at the end of editing it was like, Okay, cool, we'll just make a fucking movie. Don't worry about if it makes sense or not. Um, yeah. I've seen the plot. I've seen who was in the movie, who made the movie. <laughs> I I expected what I got, and I, I got it, you know. But like I said, the plot is very disjointed, and it's all over the place. I would hope that they drop Sherry off in a nice, uh, clean Filipino hospital to get clean, because yeah. the whole the whole doping them up angle at the end there, you know. Mm-hmm. Very much like Under the Dragon, where Mr. Han is getting all of his girls addicted to heroin so they'll be loyal to him. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's good. It's good enough for 75 minutes to watch once and say, Hey, there's better stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I'll say this for it. It's not the worst Roger Corman associated film I've ever seen. Like oh, it, no. it, it's not anywhere near the bottom of the barrel. As far as that's concerned. I mean, it's got all the elements that these films tend to have. It's just, they're kind of jammed in there haphazardly and not fleshed out enough for the film to really kind of work all that well. But I did enjoy the boobies. I did enjoy some boobies. Yeah. Very, you know, very like, you know, just natural 1970s bodies, beautiful bodies. So it was, it was pretty good. And I kind of liked like the soundtrack sounds like it's just library music that they sort of piece together or whatever. But I, I kind of dug how that sort of, just went on in the background. It just kind of fit, felt to the sort of fit the tone of the whole thing. And overall, you know, I don't hate it or anything. Like, I'm not going to say like, go and look, look for it or anything, but I'm not going to say, you know, don't see it. It, it, it if, you, if you like these kind of things, then you know what you're getting and you'll probably enjoy it. But um, th- there's a lot worse out there. Um, <laughs> but uh, so just, just for, uh, a little bit of context here on why this film exists. Uh, it's associated with, um, so Roger Corman's, you know, New World Pictures uh, nurses uh, film cycle. So he, you know, he, he, he started in 1970 with the student nurses, private duty nurses and night called nurses, the young nurses and candy stripe nurses uh, all coming out uh, each sub- subsequent year. So, you know, he had, he had like four years of uh, or five years of uh, films basically here. And it was like, you know, sexy nurses doing sexy nurse stuff. And in some films, they were just pure sex comedies. In other films, there was, you know, like, you know, rape and crime and, and stuff like that. And it's like, what are these young professional women going to do? These liberated women, what are they going to do? And then he was like, you know what? I can expand this because these were really popular. They're making me a lot of money. So let's get some more. Like, what other professions do women do? Student teachers, summer school teachers. So the, he did a couple of those movies. And then he did this. It was like, then I think this is the only stewardess movie he actually did. <laughs> he did this one. Uh, and then he did, you know, uh, cover girl models. And then he went on to do like Hollywood Boulevard and shit like that, you know, like actresses and stuff. So, like, he had this whole sort of string of these, you know, up, up and coming, you know, go getting women, 
getting jobs and you know finding their way in the workforce and finding love and romance and fights and all that other shit like all, all kinds of good uh b-movie drive-in stuff and you know to, to varying results like some of those movies are fucking hot garbage but some of them are actually pretty good so uh, yeah you, you you knew what they were there for though is there for people that you know not pay much attention to and Wait for those milk jug margarita. They did boobies and <laughs> wait for those those milk jug margarita drive-ins to uh, you know get, get warm and sour and nasty and you know drink them anyway because they're there. Mm-hmm. That's what I texted to Lee. Just text him boobies. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I don't know what we're doing next time. Uh, we'll just we'll just figure something out. I'll I'll figure something out before next weekend and we're probably going to do something better than this film but uh probably equally trashy we'll we'll we'll, we'll find something uh you know get the stink of that fucking citizen kane bullshit off of the podcast <laughs> You, you, Unicron approves that mm. and, and the moth fighting. Okay, you know. <laughs> My apologies. My course is almost over. <laughs> yeah, that, that was Orson Welles' last role. He played the voice of Unicron in the Transformers film, the only good one there is. So, yeah, the the, the Transformers film, the the film that has uh, ended a lot of childhoods. Oh uh, man, I, I, I saw that in theaters. Destroyed and it, man. I'm still, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm still not over the fact that I saw basically all my favorite Autobots get murdered in the first five minutes of the film. It was like, what the fuck are they doing? They didn't kill anybody on the TV show, mm-hmm. but then they killed everybody in the in the fucking like beginning of the movie. It's like, okay, yeah, that, yeah. and I think the the barber shop, uh, you know, vignette with Shawn Michaels betraying Marty Jannetty, one of my, one of my worst <laughs> childhood experiences ever. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Damn it! <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, Gary, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, please tell people about your plethora of podcasts, one that I'm a part of as well, and uh, you know, pimp all your wares, sir. He's so modest right now with put his hands up and such, you know. Uh, Sitting Beef Podcast show I've been doing for a while. I'm going to change that promo. I, I can't stand to listen to it anymore on podcast. <laughs> it's, it's as old as the show is, and I was sick when I recorded. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that, two drink minimum commentaries. The show I do with Lee and Cameron, which is last call at Torchies, which is a Walter Hill. It's a big Walter Hill show. We do all of his films and redo some side stuff uh, for the for the Patreon. If you're not a member of Legion Patreon, it's a little bit you can get the Drive episode, the Ryan Gosling film. We're doing the Wanderers for that mm. next. Because we're doing the Warriors is the next one up at the K. And I'll put this out to you, to me, to, to your listeners and to, uh, to Lee, uh, uh, the Lady Lee, of course, <laughs> that we take audio submissions for this show. It's a new thing. So if you want to record a um, a review for the Warriors. If you've seen the Warriors before, Lee, or you want to watch the Warriors, you want to watch a good film, uh, you can submit your audio to the show and it'll be played on the air. Ooh. So, mm. Check it out. Last there Call of Torches. Yeah. Uh, last one, uh, Blood from the Core, which is a Legion Patreon owned show with myself and Derek Bourgeois for, from the Cinema Attack podcast. Those are all New York uh, City based horror and thriller films. Although we are going to do some side stuff with that, we got one plan because I, I lost the Q episode that I found the Q episode 
So you're getting the bonus on the regular Legion feed, which is our bridge and tunnel version, where we're doing Al Sweet Owls because it takes place in Jersey. So mm. there's that. And uh, that's that's everything, I think. And I, I'm, t- I'm tired of talking about it, so. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, you need anything uh, to plug uh, this week, Lee? Or? Just the same. Uh, you can find me on my Instagram at Money Tiny All Star. I basically keep you guys posted on when new podcasts come out. Um, yeah, that's about it. And pictures of my dog. Yeah, she's our she's our social media uh, baroness. Instagram, now. just the Instagram. You on can Insta- do Facebook. Yeah, that's all the kids use now is Instagram. It's fine. But you still you do the Facebook stuff. I do the Instagram stuff. I I, I, had, I had a thought of doing one minute TikTok video, one minute reviews on TikTok. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, <laughs> really, really rando shit on there. <laughs> I'll do uh, it, yeah. I'll, I'll do it all in haiku just to make people. You know, oh confused. Jesus! Why <laughs> genius? <laughs> If you if you can do haiku reviews, I'd love to see it. That'd, that'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com, or you can find our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, YouTube links. Join the Facebook group. Best way to get in touch with us, find out what's coming up on the show, and you know, give us suggestions for stuff to review. You know, if, if you feel so inclined, you can always go onto the old Apple Podcasts and give us a five star review. Give us anything less than five stars. I don't want to fucking hear about it. You're a piece of shit and you can die. <laughs> but if you give us five stars, you know, that helps, I guess, with the rankings so people can like hear our shows or something. And if you do give us a review, please like let me know that you did it so I can actually, I, ha- I actually have, I-, I forgot. I actually have to reinstall iTunes onto this fucking computer because it's my new PC that I've had for a while now, but I never put iTunes Jesus. on it. So I need to go yeah. on that. But I mean, if, if, you're, if you're from another, you know, region like if you if you're outside the u.s or whatever the fuck um tell me or you know outside of canada actually if you're outside of canada tell me where the fuck you're doing your review from because itunes is still stupidly region locked and you can't read reviews from great britain or japan or whatever unless you switch the regions which is the dumbest piece of shit ever but uh you know let me know so i can read them and read them on the podcast and say thank you and all that good stuff but uh yeah so uh we're gonna end it and uh we will be back when we're back uh thank you again gary thank you lee and uh thank you all for listening goodbye
Our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you, drive through.